Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Tuning in tonight, here's what's happening in the National Hockey League. We have the Lightning up 3-2 on the Sabres, and they're only 11 minutes into that game. Nikita Kucherov, obviously the uh, second leading scorer in the NHL. He's not going to catch Connor McDavid, but he does have a goal tonight, his 39th of the season. Senators and Penguins scoreless late in the first. Later on, Blues against the Blackhawks, and the Stars will play the Ducks. Of course, tomorrow, the Edmonton Oilers home to the Vancouver Canucks. Final game of the season for both teams, and that'll be it for the Sedins. That magical game last night where they helped the Canucks beat Arizona in overtime. Well, they had the goal and the primary assist. Uh, tomorrow's game on 6.30, Chad. 6.30 for the face-off show. Puck drop will be at 8. We'll have several comments from members of the Oilers organization about the Sedins as we move along tonight. The Masters. What a day for Patrick Reed. Six under 66. He leads by two at nine under over Mark Leishman, who is seven under. Henrik Stenson, five under. McElroy and Spieth, Four under. Adam Hadwin, 75 today. He's even for the tournament. Blue Jays in a rain delay as they were hoping to play the Texas Rangers tonight. We'll keep you updated on that one. And the Toronto Raptors trying to wrap up that first spot in the Eastern Conference, leading the Indiana Pacers 30-16. to That's early in the second quarter. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30. Chad, final weekend of the uh, regular season. Actually, supposed to be the final day tomorrow. There'll be one makeup game on Sunday between the Panthers and the Bruins. Now, this this is pretty interesting here, and I'm thinking the NHL should adopt this as their actual format. Did you see this about the the tiebreaker game, Patrick Bauer? All right, so here's what's going to happen. The, the league announced today that the Flyers and Panthers will take part in a playoff game if they're tied at the end of the regular season and all the other tiebreakers are still tied. So the first tiebreaker is regulation and overtime wins. The second tiebreaker is points in a season series, which excludes the first extra home game for one of the teams. And then goal differential for the entire season. Now, it's unlikely but possible that they could be in all three categories if the Flyers were to lose their final 
game by two goals, and the Panthers were to win both of their final two games in shootouts. So rather than going to some other tiebreaker, they would have a, a tiebreaker game. And I think that they should actually do this as the first tiebreaker if two teams are tied for a final playoff spot. The Western Hockey League does it. The Oil Kings have been involved in a couple of those over the years. Baseball does it, right? If two teams are tied for a, a playoff spot, we've seen playoffs to get into the wild card or um, you know, to win a division back in the day. Uh, and I would think that would be great. If two teams are tied for the last playoff spot in terms of points, give home ice advantage to the team that maybe has more regulation or overtime wins or who won the season series, but then have a tiebreaker game. And if this does happen, and again, it's unlikely, it would be like a playoff game. It would be 20-minute five-on-five overtimes until someone scores. They wouldn't use three-on-three or uh, or use the shootout. So I like that they're doing that. I, I'd like to see them do it all the time. That would, that would add a little extra drama to the end of the season. You could just say the first Monday after the regular season, if there's a tiebreaker, that's tiebreaker day. So something to keep an eye on, uh, though, again. Uh, unlikely that it's actually going to happen. Oilers getting set to take on the Canucks tomorrow. And the final night for the Sedins, what an amazing career it's been. The Vancouver Canucks are very proud to select for Marshall Spink, Team Moto of the Swedish Elite League, Daniel and Henrik Sedin. Henrik Sedin centering, Daniel scores! Daniel Sedin's first National Hockey League goal sends a Sedin, who will score his first NHL goal. Almost two full minutes now, and the orders haven't been out of their own zone. Penalty's over. Henrik Sedin, what a shift. Daniel shoots, scores! Behind the net to Daniel, coming up front, Henrik scores! Henrik from Daniel, Canucks win in four overtimes. Vancouver takes game one, five to four. The Sedins on that shift look like they were possessed. Edler to Daniel Sedin, Henrik going to the net. Daniel centers, Henrik beats, scores! And they're all going to come off the bench to congratulate Henrik Sedin. 1,000 points in the NHL. Daniel Sedin shoots, deflected, scores! 1,000 points for Daniel Sedin. Henrik back to Daniel, takes a slap shot and scores! You couldn't have written a better ending if you found it in a story. Tonight's first and only star is shared by Vancouver's number 22, Daniel Sedin, and number 33, Henrik Sedin. All right, some highlights throughout their career, going way back to the draft in 1999 when the maneuvering by Brian Burke allowed the Canucks to get the second and third overall picks and take the Sedin Twins and uh, capping it off with their amazing home ice victory last night. It is 6-13. You'll hear from several Oilers about the Sedins as they get ready to uh, face off tomorrow night at Rogers Place. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. 6-14. We're coming right back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All 
right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Hope you've had a great Friday. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. So the Oilers play their final game tomorrow, the uh, locker clean-out day, garbage bag day, whatever you want to call it. That's expected to be on Sunday. I uh, imagine we'll hear from General Manager Peter Shirelli early next week, breaking down what has overall been a disappointing season for the Oilers. Thought it was a, f- a f- fun game last night against the Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously, the stakes uh, weren't high for either team. Gerard Gallant, head coach of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, started his post-game remarks by saying, well, no one got hurt. So so that was uh, a priority for him, and obviously some of their top players uh, being held out with minor injuries or just being held out to avoid anything else happening. Keegan Lowe played his first game as an Oiler, thought he worked hard. Uh, you know, tenacious uh, defender, can play with a little bit of jam to his game. So, uh, you know, some organizational depth there. Ethan Bear continuing to play for the Oilers. I mean, I think we're seeing with Ethan that pretty good with the puck, uh, pretty good sense on the power play. Like most young defensemen, he'll need to work on his own end, stopping the cycle, reading plays, all that kind of stuff. But he is getting some NHL experience. Three more points for Connor McDavid in that game. And again, barring a uh, Sam Gagne-like night from Nikita Kucherov here on the final weekend, McDavid will win the Art Ross for the second consecutive season. Ty Ratty, a couple of points. He's been a nice surprise. I know a lot of people ask about him. We... I, I'm not going to sit here and say Ty Ratty's the solution on on the Oilers, one of their top two lines a, as a winger, but good for him to come up and contribute. Knows where to go. He's smart. He's been responsible. Doesn't try to force plays. Has a decent shot, as we've seen him get it off a few times, and he sniped a nice goal last night. So maybe he's a guy the Oilers can re-sign cheap. Maybe you get him for 800000 for a million uh, you know, maybe a contract where he's uh, guaranteed a little more money if he does wind up in the minors. But organizational depth, mostly because of poor drafting and developing, has been a big Achilles heel for the Oilers. So right now, I mean, ideally when you're calling up guys to, to fill in, they're guys you've drafted. And uh, the Oilers have not been able to do that. And, and up front, there aren't really any... Now, so there's some guys coming in a couple of years, hopefully, but nobody's sitting on the farm percolating as a as a forward so uh ratty good for him good for him he's been able to help and obviously nugent having nugent hopkins back in the lineup makes a big difference because he's so good at uh at both ends of the ice and he's smart in the offensive zone and rob made a good point last night about his goal okay you can say well that's an easy uh one-timer to fire the puck into an open net but rob said as the puck came across he was actually covered and then he was able to spin off the check and present himself and make him available to fire in the one-timer. So there's a lot of subtle things in Nuge's game that have been paying off for him and the Oilers this season. The Big L says, Reed, as an Oilers fan, on occasion I have thrown some nasty words the Sedin's way. Many of them collective points were acquired during Edmonton's dark days. But last night I was hoping them the two of them would be involved in that overtime winner. Happy for them. Class acts. That is a text to 630-630 from the Big L. Marfus says, good evening, Reed. I sure hope the Oilers organization will do something special for tomorrow's game for the Sedins. Uh, do you know if they will stay in Canada or live in Sweden? That is from Marfus. I think, didn't they say they're going to stay in, in Vancouver? 
think that's pretty. I, I, I think that's. I think that's pretty much home for them now. I imagine they'll be a little more free to to, to travel back and forth as they like. There, I don't know what the Oilers are going to do. I know John Shannon put out on uh, Twitter earlier today from Sportsnet that the family is going to be well treated. They'll get to watch the game from uh, Daryl Cates' private box, and I imagine there'll be uh, some tributes or a little bit after the game. I'm sure as the Sedins led a handshake line for Ryan Smith after his final game at Rexall Place four years ago, I'm sure the Oilers will make sure uh, that the Sedins get handshakes and accolades after the game. Uh, Trucker Dave says, Hi, Reed. The Sedins are a great story in a great game and league definition of class and skill. Respect to them. That is from Trucker Dave. Uh, this texture says, uh, FYI, Claude Giroux is actually in second place in the scoring race. You media people need to acknowledge other players that are actually good as well. Sorry, who's Claude Giroux? Never, I've never heard of him. You media people. I've never, I've never heard of Claude Giroux. Is that is he in the NHL? Sounds made up. That sounds like a made up name. Yeah, for sure. It can't, it can't be a real. Someone's name. punking you. Ashton Kutcher's hiding around the corner with the camera. Yeah, I think I'm being punked. That's that's not a real name. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, he's not playing tonight. Kucherov is got a point, so that he's tied for second with Giroux. There we go. Uh, and I should say this, uh, Rob Brown has repeatedly mentioned Giroux as a guy he'd have on his Hart Trophy ballot. Probably more so than a lot of people. So, yeah. But, fair comment. I mean, I am pretty evil as a media, not as a media person, just as a person in general. I think we can agree with that, Patrick. Jay says... Reed, are you pumped up for WrestleMania? No. <laughs> Is it this weekend? I don't know. Kellen's the guy that knows. And Jay also says, P.S. I love the Swedish Twins commercial the Sedins did 12 years ago. Was that the one where they were playing on the whole Swedish Twin fantasy? I think so, yeah. yes. Uh, and this texture says, who called the Sedins Pinky and the Brain? I don't know. It wasn't me. I wish I would have thought of that. Did you ever see that sign some guy took to the game and said, Hey, Daniel, your brother's ugly? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite. But <laughs> Still, th- that video was going around a few days ago of them on the bench between shifts and and reach for the water bottle, wipe, a, put it back, wipe it, like almost in exact unison. That's crazy. Oh, yeah I, yeah. yeah, I did see that. That was it's, neat. It's still one of my favorite stories was one of them got thrown out of the face-off circle, so he just circled back like did a wide circle and came back in and took the draw on the linesman just to drop the puck, even though it didn't really, like he was the same, it was the same guy. And he, but he thought, well, he must've changed because they looked the same, but no, just the same guy circled around and went back in. That's clever. Yeah. That's a good one. I wonder how many times they pulled that off. <laughs> you could text, uh, you could text 630, 7804960063 is the phone number. Milan Lucic, of course, grew up in Vancouver when the Sedins became Canucks. Pretty cool night for them to finish off uh, their careers in Vancouver. Um, you know, uh, scoring a goal with, what was it, 233 in overtime is uh, pretty awesome as well. And, uh, you know, I think they deserve uh, all the praise that they're getting and uh, you know, just talking to a bunch of their former teammates and um, all the 
respect and, and, and great and kind words they have to say about them, not only as hockey players, but as, as teammates and as people. It's just, um, you know, it's, 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 it's great to hear that, you know, they were such great, great guys in the game. And, uh, you know, being from Vancouver, I remember when they got drafted back in 99, you know, it was just an 11-year-old kid and, and I remember watching them in their first year when they would get on the cycle and, and all that type of stuff. Uh, it was pretty impressive to watch. So, you know, for a guy like me who's, who's from Vancouver and, you know, growing up watching the Canucks and, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I, uh, I, I get to play against them in, in their last game in the NHL and, uh, you know, two guys that I've seen, you know, grow from you know what they were as 18-year-olds to to what they've become now, so uh, you know it's it's it was a pleasure watching them play uh, um, for seven eight years before I got to the NHL, and and it was uh, even more of a pleasure being able to compete against them uh, in their prime. So um, you know, big big influence on on uh, my hockey life. That is Milan Lucic from the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, pretty cool. 11 years old when the Sedins were drafted, living in Vancouver. Now he'll play against them in their final National Hockey League game. All right. So in the next half hour, uh, and we'll have more Oilers talking about the Sedins as well. We're, I mentioned the, the potential tiebreaker game that the Flyers and Panthers could play. However unlikely, big one tomorrow between Colorado and St. Louis. That's going to deter them. There is, there is a game tonight. Uh... We got St. Louis at Chicago tonight. They have 92 points in 80 games. Colorado has 93 points in 81 games. So they'll play tomorrow night. If St. Louis beats Chicago tonight, Colorado would have to beat the Blues in regulation tomorrow. If St. Louis loses to Chicago or wins in a shootout, then Colorado beating the Blues in any way would send the Avalanche to the playoffs. So still a few combinations there, but basically it's a big game. I mean, this, the simplest way to look at it is uh, the winner will get to the postseason, though there are still other combinations because of uh, goal differential, regulation, and overtime. Right now they both have 40 regulation and overtime wins, so that would be the first tiebreaker, so games being decided in shootouts could potentially affect that. So we'll keep an eye on those scores, and then we'll see what's going on. Uh, Chris says, Reed, maybe we can trade uh, Lucic back to the Canucks for a broken stick. Well, Chris, the broken stick would have to wave its no-move clause. Uh, I'll get to more of your texts in a couple of minutes here. Uh, you can also call 780-496-0063. WHL play-by-play legend Bob Ridley is going to be on the show as well. He is a beauty to talk to. All coming up inside sports on 630 Chat. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Good to have you tuning in tonight. It is 6.33. 
Lightning still up 3-2 on the Sabres. That is after the first period. Senators and Penguins scoreless after one. Later on tonight, St. Louis, Chicago. Actually, that one starts in a few minutes. 8 o'clock start for the Stars and the Ducks. Oilers and Canucks coming up tomorrow night. Really appreciate you tuning in. You can reach me at 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. I was talking about Ty Ratty. Here's another interesting text. Thoughts on Camilleri. I wouldn't mind bringing him back for another year at a million or two considering uh, the likes of Sleppy and Packerinen will be out next year. That's a text to 630-630. Okay. Camilleri to me is, and I was talking about this with somebody else today. My gut would tell me it's unlikely Mike Camilleri returns to the Edmonton Oilers next year. He obviously started the year with the Los Angeles Kings. He was traded for... UC Jokinen early in the season. It was a situation where it wasn't really working out for either team. Jokinen now on his fourth team. Camilleri has stuck around in Edmonton. Camilleri obviously not that fleet of foot. He's going to turn 36 on June 8th. With the Oilers in 50 games, he does have four goals and 22 points. Doesn't have a lot of goals. 22 points in 50 games. Not, not, I mean, not a bad total. So you're looking at about a 35-point season. I like that he's still willing to shoot the puck. He still knows where to put the puck offensively. Like, he clearly hasn't lost that whole ability to process the game or the hockey sense, like we call it. He's always had that. He, he's not going to be an elite point scorer. I, I would think if they brought Mike Camilleri back... That okay? I mean, I don't think it would be a two million dollar deal because he's on a one million dollar right now. You'd sign him for another one million dollars, and you'd probably have to say something like, "Okay, you're playing fifty to sixty games, right? Because things are going to happen. Maybe you need some rest. If it's not going well, we got to shake up the lineup." Now the thing is, millions pretty cheap, but can you get someone younger and and quicker in that role? Though to be fair, you know, to that texture. Camilleri has shown the, the intelligence to still play in the NHL. The physical ability, obviously, at that point in his career is maybe a little bit of a question mark. I, I would still think it's uh, unlikely he's going to be back. And again, I think if you sign him, I don't know if he's necessarily an 82-game player. This texture has already written in. He says, if you don't get a better player then. Mike Camilleri, you're not making the playoffs next year either. And that's a totally fair comment. I, I mean, I think the Oilers, got a, they, they'll want speed. Now, you need speed with ability to handle the puck, to make plays, to know what to do with the puck, and Camilleri has that. But he's not playing every night. He's had some injury issues this year. I, 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 if, it, if it were me, I would lean towards not bringing him back. But I understand there, you know, more people are asking about him. He made a nice shot uh, last night to get a goal. But I, I don't know where he fits in the lineup. You're not going to throw him into necessarily one of your top two lines, I, I wouldn't think. And then if he's, I know kind of now he's been a fourth-line center. I, I don't think that's where the Oilers would, would necessarily see him. But he's a guy to watch. Oh, another two. Oh, this is good. I'm glad I got this one today. Thoughts on Aberg. Well, you don't need my thoughts on Aberg. How about Todd McClellan's thoughts on Aberg? He was asked about him today. 
Yeah, I didn't think that uh, that Pontus uh, played with a lot of emotion and a lot of fire, and um, that's bitten the knock on him a little bit, and we're trying to get that out of him. So, um, you know, when you're in, you have to bring it. I thought his two best games were after his mistake on the road, and uh, he had something to uh, to prove and respond to, and they played tremendously then. But uh, it has to come all the time. Yeah, it has to come all the time. And Aberg, a player, obviously Nashville traded because they weren't seeing the potential. I, I think Aberg's going to be on the team next year. He, he still has another year in his contract. He doesn't make a lot of money. Uh, the Oilers will try to see what they can get out of him. He's looked okay at times. I was talking about Aberg the, the other night on the show because there was this whole thing, heavy hockey against skilled hockey and, and speedy hockey and all that kind of stuff. And... There is speed is important in the National Hockey League. Very important. Aberg has speed. But I ask you, with that speed, what has he accomplished? So I, I know there was a lot of talk when he came from Nashville. Well, he's got skill. He's got to, he's got to be consistent. You know, he's, he's, got to, he's got to try to put it together. And obviously there was the, he broke some sort of a, Todd McClone called it the mistake, he broke some sort of a, a, a team rule on the road, missed a practice, got benched for a couple of games. So that's another thing that'll, that'll have to be straightened out. And I don't know, again, they, they've given him a chance on the second line, haven't really seen it, haven't really seen a lot from him. I, I think if Aber can be a depth player and become a better penalty killer, that's what I see from him right now. Because I... I for him to become a scorer in the National Hockey League, I don't know. And that's going to be the order's problem. Finding speed, but also who can have some touch around the net. Because you haven't seen it around Aberg. And I said this the other night. How many times has Aberg got to a puck, you know, won a race, had the puck, got a pass from Dreisaitl when he's on that line, and then kind of nothing, ha- nothing happens. Now, he has shown a willingness to shoot the puck, which I do like. And obviously that's been a huge problem for the Oilers is that uh, they are often reluctant to shoot the puck. Uh, a couple people texting in about the tiebreakers in the National Hockey League. The order of the tiebreaker is row, regulation and overtime wins. Shootouts don't count. Then the head-to-head matchup, then the goal differential. Okay, that's the order. Regulation and overtime wins, first tiebreaker. Then head-to-head matchups, then goal differential. All right, so that's, uh, that's how that breaks down. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Interesting discussion there about uh, Aberg and, and Camilleri. I think Aberg will be on the team. I'm not so sure about Camilleri. All right, what's interesting about playing the Sedins tomorrow? There, there are certain players you just associate certain strategies or certain specialties. Wayne Gretzky, as great as he was, what do we, what do we call the area behind the net? Gretzky's office. Oh, so McDavid set up in Gretzky's office and made the pass out front, right? Certain players like that. The Sedins were able to do that with the high tip right on the power play. The puck's back at the point or, you know, outside the top of the circle, and it's a hard slap pass diagonally going through the box or a shot that's going wide, and the other Sedin or another Canucks player is able to tip it from that further out angle and fool the goalie. How many goals did they score that way over the years? And Todd McClellan certainly appreciates that. We actually call it the Sedin tip. Um, you know, when you uh, have something that's named after you, um, and I'm sure that there's 30 other coaches in the league that probably refer to it that way, uh, when, when there's a certain part of the game that's named after you, you've done something pretty darn unique. And, uh, 
you know, they created that and uh, it affected and changed power plays for a long time. And uh, it forced staffs and players and, and units to figure out how to kill it. And it still, uh, it still isn't solved. It's still pretty effective. All right, so uh, absolutely, when you got a play named after you, they, the Oilers actually call it the Sedine tip, and I'm sure they'll uh, attempt it a few more times against the Oilers tomorrow. All right, I'm I'm just reading this, so this is the uh, this is how it rolls sometimes with, with live radio. But I'm seeing multiple reports coming up here, and this is not a this is not a happy story. I'm jumping in here with, so I'll keep an eye on it as we go along tonight. Um, Several people reporting th- reporting this right now. What I'm looking at here is uh, a tweet from a reporter with a Saskatoon news station. The team bus for the Humboldt Broncos is involved in a highway crash. They were on their way to Nipawin for a game against the Hawks. The game has been cancelled. The RCMP are on scene. No word of injury. So that's obviously for uh, an SJHL game. Humboldt going to Nipawin and uh, reports of a highway crash so we will keep an eye on this and uh hopefully there aren't any injuries but that's pretty scary we'll uh we'll keep you updated throughout the evening here on inside sports quick timeout it is 6 42 this is cam talbot from your edmonton oilers and you're listening to inside sports with reed wilkins on oilers radio 6 30 chad So again, this is a developing story. Not not a lot of details, but we'll uh, we'll keep an eye out here as we go to tonight. And it's it, it's pretty scary. Hopefully, uh, there aren't any injuries, aren't any seriously injuries. But but here's what we know: this is in Saskatchewan, uh, north of Tisdale. That's northeast of Saskatchewan. The Humboldt Broncos team bus. That's a team in the Saskatchewan Junior League involved in what RCMP are describing as a serious collision. Uh, Humboldt was going to play the Nippon Hawks. The game has been cancelled. And uh, apparently Stars in Saskatchewan uh, did say that an air ambulance has been dispatched to the area. So that is a, a scary one, obviously. A lot of bus travel in uh, in junior hockey. And uh, looks like there was a crash earlier today involving the Humboldt Broncos. So that's uh, going to bring back a lot of... Uh, Sad memories, sad recollections of the Swift Current Broncos in the Western Hockey League back in the 1980s. But but again, I'm, that's all we really know so far. Don't know the ex- extent of uh, anything in terms of injuries or anything like that. So we'll just keep an eye on that throughout the night. But uh, pretty scary. Hopefully everybody's okay who was involved in that crash. My name is Reed Wilkins, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Uh, Darcy uh, says perhaps some specific methods may require implementation so as to further settle what qualifies a vote for Hart Trophy candidates. The discussion usually arises with regard as to whether or not the candidates team made the playoffs, yet it is not an actual rule per se. This would surely eliminate some of the lists and likely help determine an easier voting process. That is from Darcy. I will say this though, Darcy, to counter that argument. What's the I mean, it is a voting process. Do do we need to make it easier? To, like to me, this is this is one of the best debates we've we've ever had about the Hart Trophy. What, who 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 should win it? Do you have to be in the playoffs? And that's the beauty of the voting system. It is up to each individual voter to decide. And yes, some people will not 
vote for Connor McDavid because the Oilers are so far out of the playoffs. And maybe some people won't vote for Nathan McKinnon if the Avalanche don't get in tomorrow. Or at least not vote for them first. I still think Connor McDavid's going to be on a lot of ballots. Five names go on every ballot. So I, I would actually say, Darcy, I don't, I don't think they need to nail down the criteria. I, I think you can say it's the person judged to be the most valuable to his team. And then as a voter who watches hockey, follows hockey, talks to other hockey people, then, then that's the beauty of the vote. Go ahead and, and, and pick who you think. Because I, I know for me personally, and I don't have a vote, but because the Oilers are so far out of the playoffs, I would not put Connor McDavid first on my ballot. And I know that's going to irritate a lot of you, but that is how I would vote. And I think the playoffs are a big deal. And I, I think it's a season-long award. And I know Talbot's going to be, or not Talbot, I know McDavid's going to be the league leader in scoring and, and all that great stuff. And he's had a spectacular finish to the season. Uh, but front to back, who's the MVP? And you know what? It might be Taylor Hall at, in, in the end, when all is said and done. Front to back, from day one, who's been the most important player to his team? It might be Taylor Hall. And I know that's going to, well, I know that's probably going to frust, uh, frustrate Oilers fans, but hopefully they'd be happy for him as well. Uh, let's talk about that and tomorrow's big game between the Avalanche and the Blues. Josh Dover with uh, All Sports Radio Altitude 950 in Denver, hosts their post-game show called Between the Pipes. Josh, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm fantastic on this Friday. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. It's good to talk to you, and uh, some excitement tomorrow because it's basically the first playoff game of the season, even though it's not actually a playoff game. But pretty cool it comes down to this. Uh, how's How's the mood around Avalanche country for this showdown with the Blues? You know, it's a, it's a little bit in between. There are, there's the crowd that is, is feeling great, feeling positive, feeling optimistic because of, uh, I'm sure what we'll get into a little later, what this team did last year or what they didn't do last year. But then there's that other crowd that, you know, is, is kind of living on the edge of, of their seat saying, okay, you've come this far. You, you may have the Hart Trophy winner in Nathan McKinnon. You may have the Jack Adams winner in, in Coach Bednar. And you have a, a 10 game, you know, a double digit win streak this season, but you did so mostly with your backup goalie. So I kind of lean towards the side of optimism. You know, it's a, a quick turnaround. I thought this was a few stages of a rebuild that we would go through here in Denver with the Avalanche, but uh, that their rebuild phase 2.0 really took off here. So that's kind of where I lean. Yeah, I'm more of the optimism. You know, we're going to see what happens on Saturday, but win, lose, uh, or in between this team has a really, really bright future in the NHL. Yeah, well, big turnaround from last season, uh, like you mentioned. I mean, I, I remember a couple of games the Oilers beat the Avalanche last year. They basically played one period. You probably remember those two, and, and the Avalanche yeah. just didn't have any oh, yeah. any confidence and, and didn't have the goaltending and, and didn't look like a very inspired team. Uh, and there was a lot of speculation in, the, in this past offseason that, you know, because a couple of years ago, Patrick Waugh leaves pretty close to the season. They hired Jared Bednar. They have a, a, a bad year, and a lot of the speculation was, well, now they'll go out and get an experienced coach or try to bring somebody in. And they kept Bednar, and it's clearly paid off. And, and you know what's interesting, Josh? I was talking on our Oilers pregame show last night with Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer, who are two, uh, who are the play-by-play and color guy. So they get to vote for Coach of the Year. And I know Bob is, has voted for Gerard Gallant. A lot of guys have voted for Gerard Gallant. And Jack said, hold on. 
I voted for Jared Bednar. I mean, is he getting that Jack Adams push there in uh, in your market, or just tell us a little bit about that and the work he's been able to do this year? Yeah, he's he's definitely getting the push here in Denver, and it's you know, to be honest, in Denver when you mentioned that Patrick left, it was you know a, a bit of shell shock. There was a little bit of collusion between him and Joe as future, or at least kind of blueprint of the future of the Colorado Avalanche. And he leaves, leaves the team in a bad spot. They announced Jared Bednar, and, you know, those of us in the media, certainly those of us that are covering the team closely on a, a daily basis, thought, wow, is this a, you know, a stopgap kind of coach until they can get themselves through this little rebuild that they thought we thought they were going through? And to be honest, I, I that's exactly what I thought. You know, you're going to get a guy, Jared Bednar, who's kind of a career journeyman as a, a HL player, a coach, did have some success coaching uh, coming off of the championship uh, after you know coming to the Avalanche, but to me he's he's certainly the Jack Adams Award. I know John's going to get a lot of love as he should because of what they're doing down there. But to me it's Jared Bednar because this team, I think, mean, 48 points, and now we're going to have a playoff game, a playoff play-in game, if you will, coming up on Saturday. It's a huge turnaround. We know what uh, Pittsburgh did a handful of years back to have their season turnaround. But to me, it's Jared Bednar. He's not only turned this team into a serious contender this year, like I said, moving forward. I think he's also solidified himself as a NHL head coach that's worthy of manning a bench and will do so now for the next 10, 12 years. It may not all be in Colorado. You know, we'll see how the end game goes. But I think he's proved himself to be worthy of, of an NHL coach and the Jack Adams. Josh Dover joining us on Inside Sports tonight with Altitude 950 in Denver. They're the voice of the Colorado Avalanche, so big game for them tomorrow as they'll uh, face the St. Louis Blues for a playoff spot. So the Hart Trophy debate and the race is uh, one of the most compelling, well, I can't remember the last time there were, I mean, you see some of these lists that or articles people are writing, Josh. I mean, there's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 names in some of them. It's amazing. But but Nathan McKinnon is is near or at the top of the list on some of them. Uh, I know I talk to Oilers fans every day who say, you know, McDavid is, is so good. He's, he's so valuable to the Oilers. Uh, he should win it. Uh, I know a lot of people who get to vote say, well, you, you, you got to be in the playoffs. We'll obviously see if the Avalanche uh, get there or not. I, I mean, I know there's a probably a huge push from the fans you talk to that it, that it should be Nathan McKinnon but tell me a little bit about how you see the heart race and about McKinnon's value to the avalanche because he's been such a spark plug for them this season yeah I mean I, I with you I'm reading the articles as well and it's just crazy how many people's name you can make an argument for and none of them are, are bad arguments and the McDavid is you know obviously he is a top two three player in the NHL and will be for the foreseeable future I kind of lean towards the argument of, you know, your team has to make the postseason. It's, you can make an argument for a best player on every team in the NHL and them being so valuable to that club. But I do believe you have to make the postseason, and that may hurt Nathan McKinnon, depending on what happens here on Saturday. But what he's meant to the team is just, I mean, absolutely invaluable what he's done. And he had that big breakout rookie year. They go to Minnesota, you know, you end up losing in seven games. And obviously a Matt Cook mix-up kind of rubs the Avalanche fans the wrong way. But he was kind of silent for a couple of years after that and kind of figuring out his place in the NHL. And a lot of Avalanche fans wondering, hey, 
who is Nathan McKinnon? Is it that guy in the rookie year that nobody could skate with? Or is he this guy that's kind of going to go back and forth and be a kind of in-between hockey player? And this year he broke out and showed us who he was from that rookie year. So what he's brought to the Avalanche is everything. I mean, he, he, that point streak that he's gone on, that, that double-digit win streak, he was a leader behind it. And to be honest, now that they're struggling a little bit, scoring goals and getting things going offensively, I think that's due to Nathan McKinnon as well. He can, uh, at times, he can tend to take himself out of big moments if things aren't going his way. That may be the usefulness. Uh, that may be him, you know, finding out who he is as a true leader. So, you know, obviously I'm a little biased sitting here in Denver, Colorado today, but if the Avalanche make the playoffs, and right now as we sit, it's an if, uh, he is the hard trophy winner in my opinion. Let me throw one more at you, Josh, here before I let you go. The the trade that sent Matt Duchesne away from the Avalanche, and obviously there were a lot of stories about him, you know, I mean, we all remember the, the interview in the preseason where he came out and said, well, I just came out because I had to, and then he just left. Uh, I mean, did that, did that yeah. is, is that a turning point? I mean, looking at it from the outside, am I putting too much on that trade, or did that change things, and did that maybe empower some of the McKinnons and other guys on the team to, to maybe really take the bull by the horns and it became their team? No, you're, you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head with it. It was, I mean, the opening day, that was media day, by the way, and we're just sitting down there, and everybody's anticipating him coming out, wondering what's going to happen, if he'll take any questions, and it was the awkward and uncomfortableness that, that you guys saw as well. It was a 180-degree turnaround when Matt was, was shipped to Ottawa. And if you remember, the two teams are, are playing each other overseas, so you get a little back and forth uh, right after the trade. But after the trade was made, the guys had told me, Gabe told me personally in the locker room, hey, it's, it's nothing personal against Matt Duchesne, but if you don't want to be here, then we don't want you here either. So it's that camaraderie. It's that brotherhood. Dave Landeskog was really vocal about it. Nathan McKinnon hasn't said much, kind of echoed sediments uh, that Gabe has said, but Gabe has made it very clear. If you want to be on the Colorado Avalanche, we'll welcome you, you know, into our brotherhood, and, and we'll go out and all have a common goal. That was not the case with Matt Duchesne. It was time to move on. Uh, I give credit to Joe for kind of hanging on, Joe Sackick, of course, for kind of hanging on and holding out to get what he wanted. It obviously worked out great with the Colorado Avalanche. And, and Matt Duchesne got what he wanted. He got out of an organization that he didn't want to play for. You're absolutely right. That turned everything around this season. And without that trade, the Avalanche are not where they are today. Well, it's going to be fun following that game tomorrow. Obviously, uh, I'll have a lot of eyes on the Oilers uh, taking on the Sedins, too, while it's going on. But uh, that's going to be a fun night in the NHL. Josh, it's great to have you on the show. I hope we can do this again and win or lose tomorrow. The Avs have uh, been a very pleasant surprise this season. Really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Let's be an on. Give me a call. Let's jump on again. Josh Dover checking in from Altitude 950 in Denver. Inside Sports on 630. Chet, going to get to some of your texts at 630-630. And, uh, again, we're waiting more details. The Humboldt Broncos team bus involved in a crash in north-central Saskatchewan.